It's the Kyle Hyman Show on Redeemer Radio. And that's all you need to focus on. So if you're doing your best to grow and to love the Lord, then he will then guide you whenever he so chooses to that firm decision. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Flavor of the Week, brought to you by Cap and Cork Beer, Wine, and Spirits, with 15 locations in Fort Wayne and New Haven. In good spirits, in good company. In Flavor of the Week, Kyle sits down with one of our local priests over four different episodes to sample variations of a favorite food or drink while they discuss the ins and outs of life as a priest. Welcome to Flavor of the Week, part one with Father Daniel Neeser. Do you prefer Daniel or Dan? I've introduced myself as Father Daniel, mostly okay. for the Hispanics who only say Padre Daniel. Uh-huh. So it's like Daniel, Daniel. Okay. So, Do you have a big Hispanic population? Massive. Okay. Yeah. How's Up your Spanish? It's good. Uh, not perfect. Okay. <laughs> but it's great. Um, Do you get like feedback from people whenever you're speaking Spanish? They're like, oh, you're pronouncing this wrong or are they like... You no, sometimes I wish I would get feedback. Yeah. Well, it depends on the person <laughs> okay. and the day and how I'm feeling. Uh, if you want the feedback or not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but most of the time they don't say anything. They just smile. Either they have no idea what I'm saying and they just... <laughs> or, 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 yeah, I, I don't really know what they, what they think. But right. I had more feedback when Father Matthew was the pastor. He would correct me uh-huh. a lot. Which yeah. was great. I, I needed that. Oh, yeah. That's how we learn. Well, for our flavor for the next four weeks, you asked for IPA beers. And so our friends over at Captain Cork hooked us up with five different options. So you wanted to start with the Dogfish Head Slightly Mighty Low Cal IPA. It's not local. It's low cal, which I think it means low calorie. <laughs> 95 calories. Yeah. yeah good way to start the morning. Can. 10 a.m. locale. <laughs> yeah. Actually, this is a, it's a light, light IPA, which, yeah. is, which is good. So uh, have you tried it yet? Yeah. Have yeah. you had this one before? No, I don't think so. I only started drinking IPAs last year. They're so good, aren't they? It was only before IPAs. It was exclusively Bud Light. Mm-hmm. That was it. This, I feel like is somewhere between Bud Light and a normal IPA. Mm-hmm. It's a good, it's a good start. It's like if you mixed, it's got the bitterness of an IPA. But it's a little thinner. Yeah. Like a locale, locale drink. A little bit lighter. <laughs> so, Father Neeser, we always like to start by getting a little of the backstory of your discernment and journey to the priesthood. So, what was it like growing up in the Neeser household? Um, <laughs> it's great. So, I, I'm, the youngest, <laughs> it's great. I, I'm the youngest of four. Uh-huh. What's the age difference between you and the oldest? Uh three, seven years. Okay. Yeah. So two boys, two girls. Uh-huh. And I share the same birthday as my brother. Oh, really? He's five years older than me. Okay. Which, which is great. Is, uh, it, it, is it great though? Well, maybe yeah, now. It is. But growing up, you, know, I like, you don't want to share your birthday. Well, not only that, one of my sisters, her birthday is only five days after ours <laughs> as well. So we always had three, we always had a three person, just family birthday party. Yeah. But you might as well just throw the fourth one in there and get them all done at one time. Yeah, for <laughs> Kelly, she's the oldest. Her birthday is on a totally another like month that's way just not. <laughs> um, when is your birthday? June fifth. Okay. Yeah. So far away from other holidays like Christmas, Easter, all that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So family dynamics always great. 
we have a really close family and especially among like the Nizer, the larger Nizer family as well. A lot of aunts, uncles, cousins. But uh, in terms of my vocation and discernment, I give my parents a lot of credit. We always went to mass. We were Catholic uh-huh. and we were raised, we were raised well. Um, vacation, no matter what you're going on. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, at least from what I remember. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and, and so that was always the priority in our family. Did you enjoy it or was it something that you did begrudgingly? Uh, it was something that I did out of just obedience to, mm-hmm. to my parents. Yeah. Um, which this plays into kind of my greater discernment picture when I started thinking more about the Catholic faith and, and my vocation. But generally, we were, you know, disciplined, had to do well in school, just generally good values in the yeah. household. And looking back, I certainly appreciate that. It wasn't, though, until really my transition out of the household into college that things started to change because what we didn't have in the family was a a sincere devotion to a relationship with Jesus. Hmm. Um, We had kind of these foundational elements of going to mass, doing the the obligations within the, the faith, and as well just being raised in a good, disciplined household on good values. So the foundation was there, but not necessarily a deeper kind of personal awareness of this person who's Jesus. So don't you think that's typical of Catholic families? Like that that's not an uncommon thing to it, participate in the rituals and the traditions, but not I, I think that's more of a we might think of it more of as a Protestant thing, having a personal relationship with Jesus. Yeah, certainly. And it's, it's and a both and, but a lot of yeah. times if we're gonna fall on on one of those, it's gonna be that kind of understanding that Jesus is a real person that we're talking to. And right. And growing up, I mean you're under your parents' household. So like you have a, your your first obligation is to what your parents give you. And so as a child, you see that very easily. It's just like, I'm doing this not because I want to, but because I have to. And it's not until you become older, high school, when you can start asking those questions of, well, can I make this my own? Or do I want to make this my own? Do I want to make my faith my own thing? And then you start asking more questions as to, well, what does that mean? <laughs> what is our faith? Why have I been going to church all these years? So then you start developing a vocation, perhaps, or a deeper relationship with Jesus, if that's if that's where or, you're heading. Or leave. Or leave. I mean, right? Like, that's yeah. that kind of turning point of, am I going to make this my own, or am I going to abandon it? Yeah. So yep. why did you stay? So... One of the things we'll talk about is World Youth Day. Mm-hmm. So I had an opportunity in the period between high school and college that summer after I graduated before getting into college, went to World Youth Day in Madrid, Spain. This was a decision that I I didn't really make for myself to go. My parents were really, um, for whatever reason, they thought that this was going to be a really good opportunity for me. Uh-huh. And I had no desire no desire to go because I wasn't at a point where I saw the faith as something of extreme value, of extreme importance in my life. I was very thankful. I had a good family. I had good friends as well. But 
there was just still a, a lack of the next step of making it my own. And, uh, and so I, <laughs> the thought of, of going on a, on a pilgrimage for two weeks with priests, nuns, seminarians, hyped up Catholics. Yeah. Didn't really excite me. And before this, I hadn't really had any experience with nuns or priests or so it kind of <laughs> freaked me out, uh, needless to say. Uh-huh. Beforehand or beforehand. Okay. Yeah, just thinking about the yeah. but I knew it was an opportunity for me to get outside of the United States, experience a new culture, do something interesting, exciting. And I had the time after high school before going to college. So it was kind of a, a perfect, perfect timeline. But little did I know that these were all of the the little foundation stones being laid for a new step in my life. So graduated high school, also broke up with a relationship. And so I was going into college with a completely clean slate, nothing, uh-huh. nothing on my to-do list. So went to World Youth Day and had a great experience, changed my life. And I started to develop, I started to see that this was something important. Mm -hmm. And there was something unique here about the joy in all of these young people experiencing their faith together. So went to World Youth Day. Day I came back from World Youth Day, went to college, and then I got to decide, do I want this new life of faith or do I want the college lifestyle of making my own freedom, free decisions of partying, drinking, whatever bad relationships that a lot of people foster, bad habits, I got to choose. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, because of World Youth Day and this new just experience of faith, I chose my faith. And that started a whole new period of my life. So, yeah. So what were you studying in college? Math and economics. Okay. So I was only in college for a year. I went to Wabash College and I ran cross country and track. I didn't run track because it ended up being my discernment into into the seminary. But so I loved it. Great year. But it just so happened that it was the year that the Lord was really working hard on me to to change my life. So here I am studying math and econ. Uh-huh. The only things I like, I wanted to be an actuary okay, um, because they made a lot of money. <laughs> and and they and they play with numbers uh-huh. at least from what i've heard <laughs> um that interested me but then really immediately as my life of faith started to become newer my prayer life became deeper i started to think more about these different options and honestly it was just the simple desire that came up into my heart one day of leaving college and entering the seminary to become a priest. It just, for whatever reason, that desire was put on my heart and it just immediately changed everything that I wanted to do with my life. So after that first semester, I basically dropped all of my math classes or whatever. I took a religion class. Wabash isn't a uh, Catholic school, so you couldn't really like study much in the way of Catholic theology or It'd be more generic. It'd be more generic studies. And just for your first year too, all the generic studies that you would do anyway. Um, But took a philosophy class and started the whole process of applying, talking with different priests and seeing if this was an authentic call. Uh 
And that very quickly led me to to leave after that first year and enter seminary. So how do you distinguish between an authentic call and an inauthentic call? Two things come to my mind. The desire, if you're doing your best to to live a life of faith, to pray, and to do your best to stay in, in grace. So go to confession when it's needed and do your best to stay away from mortal sin. So if that desire is on your heart, I believe that God works through the human heart in a deep way. So those desires are authentic and that you can follow that desire. So so if you have a longing for a particular thing, then you can trust more or less that that's of God, Mm -hmm. an authentic call from the church. So my year at Wabash, I would go home many weekends and I would have meetings with Father Jim Schaefer, who is the pastor at St. Elizabeth's, my home parish at the time. And I would have meetings with him and share with him my experiences that I would have, what it's like to pray, what these different things are like, what these desires are. And so between Father Jim, Monsignor Gaelic, who was the vocation director at the time, and some other some other conversations that I had with different priests at that time, they affirmed what was going on in my life and allowed me to keep going forward. So then certainly with the blessing of the church, Monsieur Gaelic particularly, and then ultimately Bishop gave me clarity that, yeah, this is an authentic call. I could see them telling me, you know, Daniel, these are all things that may not necessarily lead to a vocation in the priesthood. So let's look at something else. Mm-hmm. And okay, yeah, great. The fact that they were able to, to guide me to this particular point, then that says all the more, okay, this is authentic. So at that point, you're at Wabash College, you're not in the seminary yet, you feel this call. Do you think that was a call to the priesthood or a call to enter seminary? And do you see those as two different things? Uh, two different things. Yeah. Yeah. And that didn't really get fleshed out until I was in the seminary mm-hmm. when I started thinking more about like, well, what is a vocation actually? But honestly, it um, it was all born. How, how did that change? What a vocation is? How did, how did that evolve in your, what did you think well, in, it was? In the seminary? Yeah. Yeah. What was it before? And then what was it? Well, there was all now? this pressure <laughs> when I got into the seminary. I, I had all this pressure put on myself of like, oh, I have to know right now whether I'm going to be a priest or not. Uh-huh. And if not, then like I've got to leave. And I was just like all caught up in all of my holy hours, all my prayer, all my conversations with the with the priest were like, is this real? Like, is this real? Am I going to be a priest? Am I not going to be a priest? And the the uh, he was my formation advisor at the time, a, a priest in the seminary. At the end of the year, he was just like, Daniel, chill out. Like, <laughs> this is not about your priesthood. Uh-huh. Your time here in the seminary is about your relationship with Jesus. Hmm. And and that started a whole new perspective on a vocation, that at the heart of your vocation is your relationship with Jesus. And that's all you need to focus on. So if you're doing your best to grow and to love the Lord then he will then guide you whenever he so chooses to that firm decision, to a point of clarity where you can say, yeah, um, I think I can be a priest. 
Um, so really, it was just, it took the, the load off that I really didn't have to think about being a priest. I really just had to think about being a good <laughs> human person, ultimately loving, loving our Lord yeah. um, through the faith and through the church. So. so would you say that you entered the seminary thinking that you were responding to a call to the priesthood, but in actuality, it was a call to enter the seminary, and it's in seminary that you discern that you're being called to the priesthood? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, the same, the logic would work that you go into the seminary, you're doing your best to love the Lord, and at the end of a couple years or however many years, you know, there's the desire isn't necessarily there anymore, or you've been through different moments in spiritual direction, guidance that you've been, you've kind of come to the clarity that, you know, this isn't really my, my vocation, then okay, that's what the Lord is calling you to do. And then you, you leave the seminary five years down the road, you get married to a beautiful wife, have a beautiful family. And this is exactly the vocation that, that God has chosen for you. And what a beautiful gift that was. So to know that you go into the seminary, not necessarily ready to be a priest or or whatever um but that you go into the seminary with an open heart to throw yourself totally at the lord's mercy (laughs) and his will and then see what happens with that um at the end of the day you're doing what the lord wants and that's what's most important and i think that's important for single men that are considering the priesthood or, or maybe feeling that call to keep in mind that seminary is there to help with that discernment. But also for all of us who are you know, encouraging people to, or, or interacting with people that are in the seminary to remember that this is a time of discernment, that it's not uh, a disappointment if they, they leave. Like, mm-hmm. no, great. Seminary did its job. It helped them to discern that and to really Think of seminary as a time of discernment, not as a, always a stepping stone or a, a guarantee that they're going to be a priest. Yeah, okay. I, I think that's a great, <laughs> great, great point. All right. Well, there's several things that you brought up that I know you were up for discussing more. One was World Youth Day. Also, you mentioned running. And oh, yeah. so, well, I have to talk about those things as well as try some more IPA beers. Uh, what would you rate the Dogfish Head Slightly Mighty Low Cal? IPA. On a one to ten, whatever scale that you see fit. I see. I'm like I'm pretty happy. I mean, given the the time of the day, given the the locale, it's a good it's a good drink for the circumstances. So, I'm saying a good seven or eight. Okay, yeah. seven or eight, not bad. All right. Well, people have to tune in for a future episode of Flavor of the Week to find out more about Father Daniel Neeser and see what kind of IPAs. Captain Cork has for us next. Thank you, Father Daniel. All right. For more shows, check out kylehyman.com. Subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. And until next time, remember to leave room for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit.